Back to the Blue Jays. They're out of a playoff spot uh, after dropping two to the Rangers to start this series. And they currently don't hold the tiebreaker either. So that one's ship has sailed. wonder if John Schneider asks the players for family pictures. Probably not, but maybe he needs to get in there and <laughs> ruffle some feathers. Our guy, John Morosi, uh, MLB Network Insider, joins us this morning, always bringing a positive bubble of sunshine to us this morning. John, we need it this morning. We need it here in Toronto. What do you got for us? Good morning. Well, I, I thought that was a very, uh, very apt entrance song there. John Paul, George <laughs> and Ringo saying... Help. Jays need to help. So uh, well done by Daniele to, to to think to begin things in that in that fashion because it's it's true. To your point, Ailish, we're we're not having that many days left in the regular season, and and as uh, as you mentioned, the Jays are not in a playoff spot. Uh, there is some urgency indeed for the Blue Jays. Okay, so uh, I think every time we chat, we talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and unfortunately, we're going to start with that again. Um, not really showing up in the big moments, the little moments, any moments. Um, we're starting to to feel like this is the actual Vlad, um, and it's hard to, to really stomach that because we want more, we need more right now. Um, him and Bo Bichette, 0 for 16 so far in this series, uh, not even a single hit when it matters most. Um you're not a uh, you're not able to diagnose the swing. Maybe you can, but is it just too much going on between Vladdy's ears? And is there a way that he can channel the Buffalo Bison approach of playing free and easy and getting hits? Right. Well, I think you're spot on about how how well the approach has worked for the younger players who have come up, mm-hmm. and and with Vladdy, whatever avenue that he's taking. Clearly, it's not working. And I, I did watch. I watched uh, Buck Martinez his analysis after the game last night and, and his conversation with Dan Shulman and acknowledging that that right now that from a timing standpoint, that Vladdy's just not there. Uh, in in between was basically the the words and terminology that Buck used, which is a dangerous place to be. Uh, you're ahead of the breaking ball. You're slow on the fastball. And maybe you're thinking too much. And when when you're at this stage of the season, it is there's there's just not enough time in, in a lot of ways to to go back to square one and break things down, figure out why all of that is happening, and and build back a different approach. It is this is where the game is so unforgiving. Why it is the hardest game in some ways because of of the games coming at you every single day where it doesn't the schedule gives you no time to take a breather and and regroup and and try a different uh, approach at things it's just there's not time right now and and honestly the question for john schneider and, and his staff is when you've got your superstars struggling so much what do you do with them do you do you bump them down a spot in the lineup do you just keep running them out there do you uh, and this just make this is almost staggering to just say, do you not play him for a game? It's, and it's not a punitive thing. It's, it's just that he, he seems to need the time to, to regroup and, and have even just 24 hours to take a breath and, and, and perhaps have a different approach. I mean, he's still, he has still obviously made contact in, in recent weeks. It's not as though he's, he's a complete zero. That's, that would not be accurate to say, but he's also not, what he has been and is not what he still can be. And and that is where I think specifically with Vlad, the Jays are reaching a pretty important crossroads. You know, we, we've, we've spent a lot of time in our conversations 
reflecting and projecting what the off season could bring that that might as well be in the year 3000. They have to just find a way to get from, from Wednesday to Thursday and, <laughs> and try to find a way to, to get things in a, in back into a positive mind frame, because it's just, there's not a lot of Alish. There's just not a lot of positive things to, to, to hang on to right now. When it's, when we're speaking about Vladdy, the young guys that they're they're having good at bats. Horowitz is that good at bats. Mm-hmm. Schneider's that good at bats. But but they are not the players, especially. And it's I think this is also indicative of the way the lineup looks when Belt isn't in it. The the, the way that the the team was drawn up, as John Schneider said in his comments yesterday, that was not really the lineup that they thought they were going to have when they left Dunedin. And yet, in the biggest games of the year, it's the lineup they have without. Vladdy being Vladdy. One of those interesting things about the lineup, John, has been uh, Kevin Biggio playing at third base as a result of uh, Matt Chapman being injured. It appears Chapman is starting to feel a little bit better, hopes to return uh, later in the week. He's been uh, fielding ground balls and uh, hitting off a velocity machine. But I think it's fair to ask at this point with Kevin Biggio playing the way that he's been playing post-All-Star break, and with the future of Matt Chapman beyond this season sort of uh, lingering in everybody's mind, do they bring him back? I think it's fair to ask, like, is having Matt Chapman play every day, considering the sort of downward trajectory that he's been on since April, is it in the Blue Jays' best interest to even have him back in the lineup immediately? It's a really fair question. And, and what I would say is two things. Number one, the variable that we don't know yet is, is to what extent was Chapman hampered by this injury or even something else Mm -hmm. during the course of the year that could explain the downturn in his numbers. And to the extent that the time off, which is more time off than he's had all season long is what he's had here recently to the extent that the time off has perhaps made that better then do we see a better version of, of Matt Chapman when he comes back? His defense is special, obviously, and he's still, honestly, a good presence in the lineup. And that might might be part of, and this is this is where we, we veer into some subjective and the unquantifiable, is part of Vlad's struggle or even Bo's in the course of this series tied to, as they look around and they say, mm-hmm. where's Brandon Belt? Where's Chapman? Where where are where are the, the names that we know and the players that we've come to rely on? And if they're not there, do you then press? Do you do you then take different kinds of at bats that you really shouldn't at that point? So I, I think that the mere presence of Chapman obviously helps your defense, and it also could have a positive impact on on the rest of the group. The other positive thing too with that is Chapman Biggio, as we all know, can play all over the place, and so bringing back Chapman and playing Kevin are not mutually exclusive realities. Those two things can happen at the same time. And you can still find a way to maybe give Chapman a day off if you need to here and there. I mean, there's not a lot of time left. Uh, I would say in general that Kevin has played so well and has become so important to this team that I think he's got to play certainly against every right-hander almost no matter what. And you just find a different spot for him depending on the rest of the lineup. But he's become too important, in my opinion, for him to not be on the field every game against right-handers. 
I remember early when we started chatting at the beginning of the season and Matt Chapman was on that absolute tear, we were a little sad that we weren't going to be able to afford him in the offseason. He was going to make massive dollars. And now with this offseason around the corner, hopefully not too soon, uh, Chapman probably not a part of the Blue Jays' future, it kind of feels like we might have a fit or we might have a option that's serviceable. I wonder if you think that Biggio could be a long-term fit. The Blue Jays have um, an opportunity to, to see where he can f- play, but he's looked pretty good there. And if Chapman goes and makes money somewhere else, it, it could be just an internal replacement. Right. And it's a very, very good point. And certainly with Kevin still having two years left after this year before free agency uh, and, and at reasonable salaries, of course, through the arbitration process, he would be a, a tremendous fit there and, and he's left-handed, which helps. So you're able to, to, to have that element to, to what he brings. I, I think that that's, it's a, it's an excellent idea. And one that I think the Jays will have to entertain during the course of the offseason, probably in, in concert with the rest of the way that the lineup and the roster comes together. Do they end up going to the more dramatic approach of, of putting Vladdy out there? And if you do that, then what do you consider bringing back and, and that kind of a trade? But I think that the key point is, and why Cabot is such a luxury, is that because he he does play above average defense now, or at least average at multiple spots, it allows you to, to really be flexible and opportunistic with the rest of, of your club. I think what we've seen for me in the last few weeks is that this is a lineup that, that needs some flexibility, that they need some athleticism and, and some, some different options to present to your manager uh, to where – Clearly, you know there was there was a time where where when we watched Vladdy almost win an MVP, where he looked a lot like the Miguel Cabrera that I saw for a long time in Detroit, and and I thought back to how how much the Tigers built themselves around Miguel, and and let everything channel to him for so many years, and it worked. They made the playoffs, they won the division four years in a row, but when you watch. Vladdy now you're, you're just not seeing that kind of a player who's the hub of the whole lineup and when you don't have that guy you have to score runs and, and attack the offensive side of the game in different ways and I think for me it's not even just that that Vladdy himself is has has struggled this year it's that the entire idea of building your team around him seems to be flawed mm-hmm. and and when when you reach that spot you have to then make different decisions and and, and have more of a, a top to bottom lineup I mean, look at for example a quick point look at the milwaukee brewers lineup and ask yourself how many superstars they have and yet they're going to win the division probably they've got an elite pitching staff and do not be surprised if they beat the dodgers in the first round of the playoffs they're doing it with a very balanced team the blue jays are not balanced at all right now. And and I think if, if they miss the playoffs, it's basically going to be the reason why. Um, I think there were a lot of eyebrows that were raised, John, when Alec Manoa was being tested for, you know, medical issues or injuries or stuff that didn't end up being there. And there was a, you know, report that he, you know, he failed to report to AAA Buffalo. And there's this sort of gap between uh, Alex camp and the Toronto Blue Jays as it pertains to what the future should hold for Alec Manoa. And it appears to be certainly a, a disconnect between the two sides and obviously a very difficult year for Alec Manoa for sure. But h- how do you repair a relationship like this if, in fact, there there is some tension about how the Blue Jays decided to handle Alec Manoa's tough season? 
Well, it's a really important question. And I, I do think that whenever the Jays play their last game of 2023, we're going to have two pretty substantial, or even three, topics to get into. What happens with Vladdy? What do they do at third base? And what do they do with Manoa? Uh, and, I, and I think that to, to this extent, where we're at right now in the season, it is remarkable to me how, on the field at least, how little this has impacted the team. Because they because Ryu has pitched well and and come back and so it has not this if they miss the playoffs is not going to be because in my view of the Manoa situation. However, they're going to have to deal with this at some point in time, and and this disconnect. You're right; it's a very good word to use. There is a I think disconnect between what the Jays have seen in Alec and and probably how Alec is feeling. To your point, as you, as you're describing the. The, the, the testing and the, the medical evaluations that have gone on. Is he struggling? Is he hurt? Is he worn down? Is he, is, are we seeing now the residue of the, of the lost 2020 season and, and then the huge innings increase? Um, where is he at? What, what is, what is his physical state and how does he feel about the blue Jays? There's so much that we don't know right now. And for someone that, yeah, and I'm just speaking as a as a journalist here. For someone who has been a, a an open book for a lot of his career, and and sort of uh, just the, the spotlight, he's been very comfortable in it. To to have this void now, where we're not hearing from him, is is strange, and it's and it's a little bit of a challenge. And I think at some point, we're going to have to hear from him about what's going on, what the communication issues have been, and also where where this is all going because to your point if if the relationship is is beyond repair and i don't know if it is or not that's that's for other people to 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 basically decide then then if if you have to move him then how how that information is presented how he's doing physically why he has not reported to buffalo this is going to have to be discussed and and reckoned with before another team says yep sounds good i'll take him and i'll give you x and y and z prospect for him i mean it, it's not just it's not that simple there, there's going to have to be a a reckoning of where uh where he's been what he's doing and and to be honest i think the, the biggest thing is if he's not pitching in games he's not available to his organization if a line drive goes off of somebody's knee mm-hmm. and then what happens and, and i think that to me is is the, the biggest concern here is he's just not available and when you're not available, it, it it's not good, and I and 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 it also is not just not good for the Jays. It it is not helping you move on somewhere else because the other team's going to want to say, "How available are you going to be for me?" And that is one of the other issues right now with Alec Manoa and the Jays. And it's frustrating for the fan base, and I think justifiably so. You want to know a little bit of transparency. You want to know that this guy that you've been excited about, who's wanting to make a lot of money and was a Cy Young caliber pitcher last year, has got the right mindset, the right uh, attention to detail and attitude to be a part of the Blue Jays organization moving forward. Uh, Last one for you, John. How about your uh, Detroit Lions? You were right on the money, just a little bit with the score (laughs) off, but they won, uh, and I think you have a future in NFL predictions. Uh, there you go. Well, I, I was, <laughs> I appreciate that A-list, by the way. Yeah. A couple points here and there. I, I was really, really impressed. Uh, I, I expect that they'll find a way to win the home opener against Seattle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking somewhere in the range of 24, 13, okay. but I, I'm, but I don't, don't, 
don't hold me to this one. I, I'm probably like a once a season prediction guy. I mean, that, that was like a walk off win, Alish. I mean, like I, I got one prediction right. I'm gonna basically. I feel as though I should probably have that pinned to my ex profile for like the whole the whole fall. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. going to stay with that one. Hey, wow, Morosi knows something about football. Not really, but it <laughs> looked that way for one day. You're batting I'm learning 1, more about the team. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm going to I'm going to take my one for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Bannister, who Jeff Bannister used to manage the Rangers. Jeff Bannister's career uh, Major League Baseball record one for one. That's there you it. go. He batted a thousand in his major league career. I feel as though I should probably retire from NFL predicting Alish and Jesse after the, after one turn at bat at the plate. Well, we were excited to see the Detroit Lions do it uh, on Thursday night football. And uh, I wrote it down, 24-13. We'll see. You know, I won't hold you to it next week, but uh, glad to get your prediction right. nonetheless. Uh, John, appreciate you coming on this morning. Thanks, Always John. great to chat. Have a, have a great weekend. Thanks, Alish. Thanks, Jesse. All the best. Really appreciate the conversation today. Thanks so much. John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, NFL prediction specialist, and is one for one <laughs> with his Detroit Lions. He's excellent. Um, okay, before we take a break and talk some more Detroit Lions with Joy Taylor, host of Speak on FS1, let's do something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Jesse. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, this is actually pretty good. A little lackluster in terms of enthusiasm, but. No, I disagree. How would you try it again? Let's do something. Um, Great Canadian Meats, uh, time for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. I liked that one. Which one's better? That, that one was good. It Second was all, one? It was, I, I really liked that one. Okay, now we have it on That's record forever. The first one That's your last, your last, your last yeah. chance, and I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for giving me another opportunity. Okay, the chew here, yum, 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 is that <laughs> Jets and Bills was the most watched Monday night football game ever. Averaged a record of 22.6 million viewers across the networks that were co- were holding it, and deservingly so. Hype, hype, hype. Storylines going into it. I wonder what the drop off was if there was um, four snaps into Aaron Rodgers' career. He lasted 75 seconds. There's a joke in there, and we won't get to it. Uh, 75 seconds is all that Aaron Rodgers lasted in his Monday Night Football, his oh, debut for. The- you're on fire today. For the New York Jets. Uh, but nonetheless, was the most watched ever. I wonder how the viewing will uh, look moving forward as they have five more primetime games. We'll recircle that and revisit that when their next one um, comes up. But I got a chance to chat with Joy Taylor yesterday, host to Speak on FS1. You can catch that uh, Monday to Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Um, she was great in terms of a little week one wrap around, whip around. Uh, she's a big Dolphins fan. The vibes are high there. So Joy mm-hmm. Taylor, after the break on the Fan Morning Show, Jesse and Elish. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Brilliant. Fan Morning Show, Brilliant. Jesse and Elish. Sports and 590 fan. Shout out Nickelback for making... Just a perfect song for a transition. Mm-hmm. I never got the the Nickelback hate either. Look at this photograph. <laughs> That's uh, Johnny Goudreau and Mike Babcock. Okay. <laughs> um, let's move on. Joy Taylor, host of Speak on FS1, uh, which is weekdays, 4.30 p.m., alongside LaShawn McCoy and Emmanuel Acho. A great show. If you get a chance to tune into that. Joined us yesterday. Got a chance. She's on the West Coast, so... You know, had to pre-tape that one. Um, we got a chance to chat week one now that it is fully wrapped up. And it was right on the heels of Aaron Rodgers' Achilles 
yep. heel injury. Uh, so I had to ask her about that yesterday, right when the news basically broke that he is out for the season. Here's my chat with Joy Taylor. Okay, so we've got to start with the tough stuff. Aaron Rodgers confirmed torn Achilles uh, out for the season. Of course, not just a massive loss for Jets fans, but I think the entire NFL fan base can agree that this is not what we wanted for a season with so much anticipation, so much hype, and a fan base that's been tortured. You're watching this on Monday night, and I think a lot of shock and, and terror, really, from a lot of people, but now sinking into the news that no Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the season. How do you begin to look at the outlook of the Jets moving forward well yeah it's brutal for everyone it's not the way that we expected the season to go it was a lot of anticipation for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and we've basically been talking about this for six months so four plays in it's it's pretty brutal I don't know I I feel like we already watched the movie of Zach Wilson with a really talented roster and how that went so it's feels like a very desperate situation for the Jets. And when you look at the options that they have to bring in, it's not particularly inspiring. So even though they're coming off of a pretty exciting win, despite the the down emotions of losing him that early, I don't know how you look forward for the season with a lot of optimism. I don't know where they go, but I I certainly, I'm a solution-oriented person, and I don't really have the answer. Right now. Okay, so they are they're throwing some solutions out there, whether they're uh, the right fit or not. But there's some names. There's some veteran names being thrown out there. Um, some that are trades, some of their options, and maybe even pulling somebody out of retirement named Tom Brady. I know that one's a bit far-fetched. But if you had to be solutions-based and we had to pick someone to at least back up Zach Wilson or, like, help him throughout the season, is there something that kind of makes sense it's it's hard for me to to circle someone too but if we were trying to figure it out i mean there are some serviceable names i guess you know i'm gonna throw a name out there that i haven't really seen in circulation i think that cam newton would be interesting Interesting. i know he's not really (laughs) the the prototype for the nathaniel hackett offense Mm -hmm. but this is a really really talented roster he was a former mvp He's played in the Super Bowl. He has a lot of NFL experience. And when you're looking around at some of the other options that are out there, uh, you know, potentially a Matt Ryan or a Carson Mm -hmm. Wentz, um, you know, Joe Flacco, we've already seen that as well. I I don't know why Cam Newton wouldn't be someone that people would consider. Now, I don't know if Cam is interested in coming back, but I know he stays in shape. So Mm -hmm. that's that's the name I'm going to put out there. And – I mean, I just, I don't, they have to do something dramatic, right? Like we've, not just because of the headlines and all that, but we know what Zach Wilson is. Just, I mean, he didn't look good. He, he looked the same that, he, that he's always looked. So, you know, when you're talking about trying to find a solution for this, obviously they put really all their eggs in the, in the Aaron Rodgers basket and then the, the basket got dropped to the ground. So you're going to have to do something to try and, and salvage the season because you have too much talent on this team to just say, well, you know, let's just ride out with Zach and see what happens next year.
Yeah, you look at that defense and it would be a travesty to just punt this year and, and try to tank. Um, but they, they they head into Cowboys on Sunday. Like, they're getting no favors from the scheduling gods. I mean, you watch the Cowboys clobber the Giants 40 to nothing. It's going to be a messy uh, period here. I don't know how quickly somebody could step in. I don't even know if Zach Wilson uh, has, uh, has the trajectory to even be able to tread water throughout the next couple of weeks. But you look at Cowboys and Sunday, I, I just feel like we're writing that one off uh, as a tough bounce back for Jets fans after having Monday night just go as poorly as possible other than winning yeah I mean the start of their yeah the start of their (laughs) season was always going to be a gauntlet even with Aaron Rodgers there so um, yeah so I don't I don't anticipate that this is going to get any better the Cowboys I mean I I don't I don't think they're going to blow everybody out by 40 points and not you know not let anybody score but it really feels like a, they're going into a behemoth, especially with Zach Wilson back there. So, yeah, it's, this was already going to be a rough stretch to start for them, and now it feels it feels like a mountain. So it's hard to to think about Aaron Rodgers more than, okay, this season he's got a lot of recovery to do. But, I mean, the question starts to ponder about what's next for his career. He's an older guy. We know he's been through it. It's a, it's a tough injury to overcome. I don't know if you started thinking about if that was the last time we saw Aaron Rodgers on the field, if this is the end of a Hall of Fame career, and if it isn't, how much of a hurdle he has. He's the type of guy, though, that I wouldn't I wouldn't put it away that he would try his hardest to get ready in the offseason this rest of the season and try to make one last push at it. But it seems like the odds are really against him to come back to form. Um, but the, the storyline is certainly there. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, I, I don't. I don't see how he comes back it, just because of the nature of that injury. That is the one word that you, you never want to say, you never want to hear. Even if it's a young player, it's so hard to come back from that injury. Most people are never the same. And when you have that kind of injury at the age that he is, which is he's going to be 40 very soon, he would be 41 if he comes back next year. It's, it's really hard to imagine that we see him Again, uh, I I personally do not think we do, um, mostly because uh, most because of how hard it is to come back from that injury. But then you add in all of the anticipation and build up for it to be four plays in and then it be over. It's difficult for me to imagine a team building their entire future around a forty-year-old quarterback that is coming off of his, his last season not being great and then this season four plays in tearing his Achilles. I just don't think that the storyline will be the same, which is really heartbreaking because mm-hmm. he's had such an incredible career and we were all really anticipating watching at, at, at the very least a very entertaining and interesting season with him and all that's out the window now. So yeah, I mean, obviously it's a conversation that's floating around that everyone doesn't really want to entertain because mm-hmm. it's, it's so upsetting, but I just, it, it's such it's the unspoken, like, he who shall not be named <laughs> injury. It's just the worst. It's really rough. It's, it's not an ACL. It's not a shoulder. It's just it takes a long time to recover from it, a long time to trust it again, a long time to be mobile again. And it's, it's a bad injury for a young player. I don't even know how much worse it could be for someone that has as much wear and tear on his body and years in the game as Aaron Rodgers does. 
yeah, Jets have a lot to figure out. Uh, Rogers has a long recovery ahead. Uh, we just, you know, hope that the story isn't over, but it, it seems to be tiptoeing in that direction. But let's talk about the other side of the field. The Bills, they had quite the opportunity to grab that momentum after that you know, stunning start for New York, uh, New York Jets. Uh, they really blew it. And Josh Allen, he looked out of sorts. He took blame for the loss, like deservingly afterwards, which, you know, that's kind of what you have to do at that point. Um, they seem to have a lot to figure out. There's a lot of hype around this team, but there's a lot of question marks too about the vibe and the conversations. It just seems like it starts with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, but you watch what happened on Monday Night Football, and there's really no excuse for a performance like that. Oh, they blew it. They blew it. <laughs> Yep. What a disaster. Oh, my God. It was so hard to watch. I don't know what was happening. The thing about Josh Allen is he's so talented that he has, for the most part, been able to recover mid-game and cover up some of the really atrocious mistakes that he that he can make. And that game was just – it's it's what's frustrating about Josh Allen. He, he, people like to call it a gunslinger. It's really a nice way of saying reckless. Mm-hmm. And you can't, I mean, they gave the game away. They're the better team. And especially with Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. And to throw that many interceptions and then have another turnover, I mean, I, I, I'm like out of words for how, how bad it was. And I, I don't understand why he is so reckless with his body as well. I mean, he's taking these. Mm-hmm insane hits trying to hurdle defenders. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you are the quarterback. You, you can't win without you. You've got to be on the field. And you playing like that is just not – it's not even that it's not smart. It's just not – it's not modern football. You can't take hits like that. He's too much of a veteran. I don't know what happened yesterday, but it, it, all, it all fell apart very, very quickly. And they're not going to beat anyone in the league playing like that. It, it, I mean, they didn't beat the Jets, and the Jets – with Zach Wilson. So uh, I'm, I'm concerned only because I've seen this from him before. If this was an outlier performance, then I could settle down and be like, okay, like, you know, maybe just mm-hmm. this week one, you know, it happens. You know, Joe Burrow had four interceptions in week one last year, but that's, that's an outlier performance for Joe Burrow. This is something that Josh Allen does. He turns the ball over a lot. And it's what's frustrating about this Bills team because they are have been at the top of the AFC East for a while now and really have all the pieces they need to get over the hump. But that playing like that is not going to get it done. I mean, he even acknowledged it uh, Monday night after the game, you know, same beep, different day, trying to force the ball, like leaving issues that he wanted to leave in 2022 that are peeking through. Week one, uh, lots of football be played, but you're le- you're left with a little bit less hope and optimism that that looked like a different team. But I wonder if he's going to get a thank you letter from Jordan Whitehead. Hits his incentive, three interceptions, earns him a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus in one game. I mean, uh, there's a positive. Maybe Josh Allen gets a Rolex out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing for him. It's it's really remarkable <laughs> that they all three went to him. But yeah, that's. That's nice. He should send him, you know, maybe just like an Amazon gift card or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's fair. That's <laughs> polite. Um, okay, let's shift to something great because I know you're a Dolphins fan. You're at the game on Sunday. Uh, that was probably the most excitement that I felt watching um, the first slate of games or the, uh, the, the day on Sunday. Uh, Tua 
honestly, there's so much that goes into the conversations around two. And there's that hesitancy, right? You don't want to say this because there's also the question about can he be sustainable injury-wise? But if he plays that way, if he stays healthy, if this team continues to roll, like I don't think it's hyperbole to say that they could be Super Bowl contenders. And I know I'm talking to the right crowd here, so I'm not even trying to say make you happy. But the way that that team came out and played, I, I feel like there's a lot of excitement around the Dolphins this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they were there last year, too. It just was a matter of Tua staying healthy, which is how I feel this year. I mean, they have a ton of talent. They're really well coached. They've got pieces on both sides of the ball. They just need Tua to be out there. Tua has a he, – he wins games. He is a clutch quarterback. He has the ability to make the big throws. He has the pieces to be able to throw it up and let Tyreek Hill go out there and beat anyone with his, his pure speed. They can beat anybody. I mean, that's that's a very good Chargers team. It was at home. You've got Justin Herbert, who just got paid. Uh, Callen Moore. You know, there's there's coaching. There's pieces on the field. There's home field advantage. There's a, a franchise quarterback, and it it didn't matter. So, I, I mean, I I'm a believer in Tua. I just have to see him stay healthy for the whole season, and that availability is a skill, and it's, it's in my opinion the most important one says it doesn't matter how talented you are if you can't stay on the field and he looks great and I had a wonderful time at the game I went <laughs> and <laughs> was was a part of the very loud uh, Dolphins uh, fan contingent there but yeah I mean I, I love this team I think they're I think they're really set up for success particularly this year and now you know obviously we don't know what's happening with the Jets within the own division which was something that was a concern but um, yeah he, he looks great he's just got to stay healthy. Yeah, I saw you uh, wrapping the flag around you on your show, um, excited about where the <laughs> Dolphins are at. And I think it's easy on, on week one on Monday or even Tuesday to do overreactions and underreactions, right? Where you, It's week one. You only have a small sample size, but I would have put them in one of my winners from week one. And I think I would have put the 49ers and Brock Purdy as well. I mean, there's so many questions about who this kid can be. He's got the, the, the season that really impressed a lot of people, Mr. Irrelevant, and he's got the injury. But I mean, the stomping of the Steelers, that defense, I, I feel like once again, getting excited about something on the cusp of being great. The Niners are a popular pick, but week one, they kind of showed that they have the makeup to be another great team. Yeah, it, it, even though the Steelers, uh, who I'm, you know, I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, so I, I love the Steelers also. It, it, hurt, it hurt my spirit, but it was really <laughs> great to see Brock Purdy out there looking like he did last year, especially coming off of that injury. That Niners team is loaded and they just need a they need a franchise quarterback and he looks great um you know he took a couple hits but that's going to happen when tj watt is on the other side of the ball he looks he looks confident they put up a ton of points and really really made the steelers look like they're they're a ways away from being able to compete with with the best teams in the league. So I, I, I loved seeing that out of Brock Purdy. I mean, we know what the rest of this roster is capable of. It was just a matter of, is he going to come back looking how he did at the end of the season and in the postseason last year after that injury? And he looks, he looks great. I think it's an amazing story too, being the last mm-hmm. pick in the draft to come in and be able to perform like that. It's, it's really remarkable. I mean, everybody loves an underdog story. I think you could certainly like wrap around that Brock Purdy one and then hopefully see that success all sustainable this season long. Um, Other things that people were quick to jump on and maybe has kind of settled a bit was the Joe Burrow storyline. Zero touchdown passes. That team did not look like the Joe Burrow team of past. But I think you laid it out properly, right? It's 
I think you can give them a little bit of pause because he didn't have any preseason snaps. He barely even got in there before game one. And I, I kind of believe in the Bengals a bit more than I would watching what uh, Josh Allen and the, and the Bills did on week one. Uh, are you like hesitant about saying, ooh, I'm a little bit questioning on Joe Burrow, or is it just a case of give him another game and they'll be back to the type of contenders that we know? Yeah, I think, I think Joe, Joe Burrow has more equity with me than to panic after one game. I, I agree with you. I think not being available in the preseason, dealing with that injury, um, I don't know that the <clears throat> that the contract had anything to do with it, but you know he was dealing with that calf injury, so wasn't able mm-hmm. to participate as much. There was a lot of bad ball this weekend. If we're we're being honest, we didn't <laughs> we didn't watch the best that the NFL has to offer from everyone this week. It was really rough on the offenses. I actually think the Dolphins Chargers game was was the most competitive yes. game. So eventually we'll get some more of that. But, yeah, he has some equity with me. They, they as a team, have equity with me. I mean, they started 0-2 last year and still made the AFC Championship game. Obviously, that's not ideal, you know, and you don't want to encourage bad behavior. But this Browns team is also a really good team, and mm-hmm. they're very talented. So it's a divisional matchup. It's not entirely that surprising. So I think they'll get back on track, and I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm watching it. You know, <laughs> it has my attention, but I'm not, I'm not panicking just yet. Okay, uh, rookie quarterbacks didn't win any games week one, uh, but I think I felt the most promise watching Anthony Richardson. And I mean, obviously, I'll say that uh, I have him in my fantasy team, so I, I kind of want to cheer for Anthony Richardson. But it is, as you said, things are early. Also, even for rookie quarterbacks, it's even more so of a of a trial and error period. You're looking at the starts that some of these young kids had. Is Anthony Richardson a point of of also watching and being cautiously optimistic? And how can the other ones maybe pick up their performance? I mean, they're not really set up for success in terms of the team they play for but we want the best for the young stories we want the best for the the underdogs and Anthony Richardson gave me a little bit of hope oh yeah I loved it I love seeing him running the ball in uh, he also is somebody that's got to learn how to get down <laughs> he's so I feel like the bigger players at the quarterback position feel like they need to take hits they don't need to take so I'm glad Trevor Lawrence kind of gave him that advice like hey hey man just just get down you know fight for the extra yards only when it matters but he was he was, it was encouraging to see that because a lot of people had a lot of doubts about whether he should even be starting. And so I loved seeing uh, the performance that they had. I don't get too crazy about rookies in game one, you know, really rookies at all. I just want to see you get better as the season goes along. I, I can't, I can't be too hard on, on these young men who are brand new to this league and the speed and the size and, intensity so I wasn't really that discouraged by anyone's performance this weekend because I just don't I don't jump to conclusions from game one with rookies there are some conclusions we can jump to from some other teams like like the Jets <laughs> I think mm. I think we know where we are now and, and whether we should be panicking um and and feeling good about things as well like we talked about with the Niners and you know I think I think the Packers should feel good about where they are things like that but for rookies, you just want to see – show me something about why they brought you in. And I think Anthony Richardson did that, so I'm really happy that he's out there. 
Okay, how about jumping to conclusions about this Lions team being for real? I mean, they come in with the Thursday night football upset against the Chiefs on their banner night. I know there's no Travis Kelsey, but a lot of people want to believe in the Lions. Another tortured fan base. They got the excitement. Dan Campbell's so fun to cheer for. And they came out with a pretty good showing on night one. Are you able to buy a little bit of stock in the in the Lions this season? Because I think there's another story that people want to cheer for. And I'm tiptoeing into that pool. Oh, yeah, I have I have a little bit of stock in the Lions uh, even before that win. I think the Lions have been trending up for a while now. And I think Jared Goff is a lot better than people give him credit for. I, I mean, obviously, Sean McVay is an incredible coach, but Goff was the one out there executing his offense. So he's played in a Super Bowl. He has the, the capability of doing that with the right pieces and the right coaching. So I, I love what this Lions team has grown into. Um, I, I loved what I saw from them Thursday night. And I don't think I, – I don't. obviously Kelsey wasn't there, and obviously Chris Jones wasn't there, but you play who's out there. And this is still a really talented Chiefs team, and they were still favored by five or four and a half points mm-hmm. going into that game. So it's still a great, great win for the Lions. I think they're going to be competing for the division this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it. And – I think they've been taking steps up every single year. They had a really hard time on defense last year. If they can hold up the improvements that they made to the defense this year, I don't see why they can't compete in the postseason. John with Joy Taylor, uh, host of Speak Weekdays, uh, 4.30 p.m. on FS1. Um, okay, so I know that you go through this during week one. We settle in. We have our winners or losers. But is there a team when you look ahead to week two, other than the Jets, of course, with major question marks looming and maybe the Bills, that you're in, you're anticipating a massive turnaround or a lot of pressure that they can you know, prove who they are? Week two is kind of where you settle in and you see what teams are starting to become. Um, obviously, there's a lot of football to be played, but you're looking ahead. Week two is just about to begin on Thursday night football tomorrow. What are you looking forward to this week two in terms of setting up what could be a season of narratives? I think I want to see, again, what the Bengals are looking like in week two. That's going to be a big question for me. I I also want to see, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that we have the Vikings and, and Eagles tomorrow because those are two teams that we expected to look a little better in week one. I mean, the Eagles still got the win, obviously, but you know, you're talking about settling in. Those are teams that had really good seasons last year, at least the Vikings during the regular season, what they look like. I also want to see what the Broncos look like in week two mm. because they're going to need to pick it up. And obviously the Giants got absolutely demolished by the Cowboys. So how they bounce back will be will be a big story because the, the NFC is so top-heavy that where those other teams in the NFC end up settling after week one losses will be very interesting. Um, one team we haven't mentioned is the Packers and Jordan Love. Um, I, I know there's a lot going into this, becoming the new full-time starter for a team. Obviously, all the offseason moves with Aaron Rodgers and that narrative, but I, I feel like it was a pretty good debut, um, a pretty good start for what he hopes to be his storyline now. Jordan Love now in the in the limelight there. Maybe the moment the Packers fans have been looking for a little bit of hope this offseason. Uh, where are you at with Jordan Love and what he can do for this Packers team moving forward? Yeah, that was a great start to the season in the Jordan Love mm-hmm. era in Green Bay. This is a really interesting division. I I had the Bears winning that game, admittedly, which <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that I'm not <laughs> like just rooting for the Bears and uh, being 
you know, being led astray by me wanting Justin Fields to be to be better. Um, but that, you know, you, you mentioned the Lions. It's it's a really really interesting division. How, who wins that? I have no idea. So I love that they started that way, and you know, the Packers have had 30 years of success at that position. Not saying that he's a future Hall of Famer, but <laughs> it's a it's a very encouraging start after all the drama and the trade and everything that went on with Aaron's exit there that Jordan looked the way he did and they got that win in that fashion. Okay. So some good starts, um, some starts that definitely need improvement in week two, but before I let you go, uh, opportunity to give me your Super Bowl prediction. I know we're a weekend, so you can edit it at this point because we're putting it on, on record now, but did you have two teams that you saw in the Super Bowl and have they changed after week one? Because there's already new favorites for MVP. I know two is up there. It's week one. We always taper our expectations, but here's your chance to give us your Super Bowl prediction. And we'll have you on later to make sure that you're on the right path. (laughs) Um, so I gave my Super Bowl prediction last Friday Uh, I'm not going to bail on it just yet but I had (laughs) the Chiefs and Bills in the AFC Championship game and the Niners and Eagles in the NFC Championship game Eagles go back to the Super Bowl and the Bills in the Super Bowl for the AFC but I I like your theory that I have the ability to change that (laughs) because I'll I'll definitely accept (laughs) that yeah you can put a couple teams yeah, that's totally acceptable. I think you're uh, not alone with some of those. I mean, we're close to the border here with Buffalo. Um, I'm a, a Bills fan, so I'm hoping that uh, we do revisit this conversation a little bit down the road and we're both on the right track. Uh, but certainly a lot of growth to be done um, in Buffalo and some of those other teams you mentioned. I really appreciate you taking the time out today, Joy. Uh, great to chat with you. Big fan of what you're doing um, uh, in terms of, of just you know, killing it down in the States. I keep an eye on it as much as we can up here. Um, appreciate you coming on and definitely get a chance to chat with you later in the season thank you so much for having me i'm happy to come on anytime joy taylor hosts of speak on fs1 as i mentioned weekdays 4 30 p.m alongside lashawn mccoy and emmanuel acho um she gave her super bowl predictions and the bills were in there so <laughs> there's nowhere but up from this point jesse yeah <laughs> i don't know about that one but uh, this certainly helped out with the aaron Rodgers injury it did, but, but they will have those to get Dolphins, past. They'll have to get past Dolphins the Dolphins. Fan, have so. to get past the Chiefs. Uh, speaking of the Chiefs, ooh, nice. There's your segue, Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. making headlines yesterday, uh, not for anything on the field, but apparently, reportedly, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift linked up in New York City. He shot a shot with her in July where he went to a concert. Wanted, I, I talked about this in, back in July on the A-list. He wanted to give her one of those Taylor Swift bracelets that they're handed out at the shows, like the little you know custom bracelets. And she doesn't apparently meet with anybody or he was really disappointed that he didn't get a chance to give it to her. And he was going to put his number, right. not his jersey number, his phone number on it. Really cute. I like that idea. Okay. And they didn't get a chance to link up. But apparently they have since met and have been, quote, Quietly hanging out, all right? Whatever that means, take it as you will. Quietly hanging out. Just like sitting on the couch talking to each other? Maybe. Maybe they went for a stroll. And here's something for the Swifties. Uh They're both born in 1989, which is the title of one of her albums. And people take this stuff very seriously, Swifties. They do all the number calculations to see if if they're written in the stars. That's something that people are really holding on to. <laughs> I, 1989. <laughs> I wonder if Travis Kelsey just does not have enough drama going on to be Taylor Swift's 
latest. Like, is he too chill? He, it seems like he, he might be. Like, what's what's dramatic about Travis Kelsey? He's a big character. I get it. But, like... He was slightly injured? I can't wait for the song when this inevitably doesn't work out, sadly. Hey, this could be the one. That would be that would be wonderful. I'd be happy for both of them. I, I'm not a, a massive Swifty. Mm. My wife is. And okay. I'm, I'm in the well, penalty box. Understand. I'm in the penalty box because I'm not on the wait list for Taylor Swift oh, tickets. Good luck. But, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we have to. Um, I think and, it's impressive that he followed up and he tried to he tried for sure it is. to capture the one yeah, that he might love. For sure. For sure. He buckled down. <laughs> Wherewithal. You'd love to see that. Um, but as someone who has Travis Kelsey on my fantasy team, I mean... Oh, you don't want distractions. You don't then. want distractions. Mm. You got you to gotta focus up, buddy. You're trying to come mm. back from injury. Like you get in the, get in the pool or whatever you need to, to rehab that deep bone, bone bruise. Stop texting. Stop with the distractions. I, I mean, respect. <laughs> you you got to have a life outside of football, but draft you for a reason, buddy. Let's get after it. Okay, well, things to keep an eye on. If Travis Kelsey returns to the field and if Taylor Swift, who's currently on a world tour, uh, yeah. shows up at a Chiefs game. That's about us. Uh, people are upset that you're not a Swifty. Um, our guy Will in Niagara says, what's going on, man? Non-Swifty? Yeah, no, that's that's And a Jets fan bad. the other that's night? You know what I respect a lot about, about Taylor Swift? Like, first of all, she single-handedly kept the economy afloat. Like, I I, I, I like her music. I'm just not not obsessed like like many, many other people mm-hmm. are. And I listened to a podcast once uh, called The Acquired Podcast. And it, it's a business podcast. And it was all about her as business. Oh. And she is, like, aside from being a, an incredible musician, she is a phenomenal businesswoman. Yes. Like phenomenal. She's a billionaire does everything, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She does everything right from a business perspective. Obviously went to war with Spotify, what have you. So um, I definitely, even though I'm not a, a Swifty music sense, I you respect the business of Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Things that have greatly have, have, are probably yes. never said is that you don't like her music, but you respect her business brain. That is not you. Just I did not just. I said I like her music. Oh. I am just not a. I wouldn't consider myself a Swift. Are you a Swifty? Yeah, I like Taylor Swift. I will That's do whatever. I'm a Swifty. I'll do whatever it takes okay. to get to a concert. There's a difference between liking Taylor Swift I'm a and being a Swifty. Okay. I bet Madison Shipman's a Swifty. Uh, I mean, chances are high. We can ask her after the break. Yeah, most people are. She's going to join us. Really? We can start with that positive, <laughs> and then we'll get into how the Blue Jays can turn this around tonight. Kikuchi on the mound. I'll be in attendance, so they better win. Bless Madison Shipman. Swift. Madison Shipman's next.